It's time now for Money Matters with the Lewis family, Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based family-owned financial planning firm providing investment and financial planning advice since 1983. Doug and Deborah are certified financial planners, CFPs, who can answer any of your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now at 919-860-9783 with your financial planning questions. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA Inc. Investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. Good evening, North Carolina, and this is Linda Lewis welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises. And this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And this is Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. We are the Lewis family, and tonight it's your turn to call in and ask us any question about your own personal financial planning. The number to call is 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. That's right. And if you call tonight, it's because something that you hear is is on your mind and reminding you that you need to get started with financial planning. If you make an appointment with us, it's our pleasure to give you a free book during that meeting of either The Wealthy Barber or The Middle Class Millionaire or Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth. Call us with your questions and set up an appointment with us at Lewis Financial Management, our number to call Leave us your name and number. That's 919-872-7000. And that's 919-USA-7000. Visit our website at DougAndLinda.com. Well, Doug and Deborah, what we do is comprehensive financial planning. And what's new in the world of comprehensive financial planning? Well, you know, tonight I was thinking that we might actually... Let's take a, a real case. Let's let's do something a little different tonight. Let's take a real case. Let's take a, let's take the Rogers case. George and Nancy Rogers, real clients of ours. Names changed, of course, but let's take a case and let's walk through it so our listening audience can see how we they can be a fly on the wall inside our offices and understand how we do what we do and how we differ from a traditional or typical money management firm because we are comprehensive financial planners. Let's take the George and Nancy Rogers case. Okay. Well, George was 69 and Nancy was 60. When they came to see us, they had been married for eight years. Both were married before and George had a son and a daughter from his previous marriage. George was originally from another state and Nancy from North Carolina. George had retired from IBM and he continued to work for ECU. Now, Nancy had worked um, and was working at the time when they came to see us for the county. And 
she knew she wanted to retire in two years. It was very, very nice to meet this couple, and they told us what they desired was to see their assets, their accumulated retirement assets and their personal assets, support them during retirement and have for assistance, you know, uh, they came to us asking for assistance in creating a plan and in doing so, they they wanted this plan to include the complexities of Nancy's retirement choices. Because this is a second marriage for both of them, they also realized that they needed uh, updated estate plans so that they would be able to pass their assets according to their desires. So George and Nancy tried to plot out their retirement plan by themselves, but they found that money management alone wasn't going to accomplish their goals. So they said that what they wanted was a financial plan and comprehensive financial planning that would be able to accommodate their desires and help them enjoy all that they had accumulated during their retirement years and for the rest of their lives. Yeah, Linda, I think what you just said is really important. This is a couple who had already tried and had realized that they couldn't do this on their own. So they came with very specific questions. So, Doug, what were some of these questions that they came to see us about? What did they have questions concerning? Yeah, the questions they came to us were concerning how to allocate their investments in such a way as to protect their principal and still achieve what they felt was a reasonable return. That was the first set of questions. Then they also had questions concerning uh, George's IRA. They had questions concerning the recommended course of action if they both were to retire the following year. They also had questions regarding their current estate documents, their wills, and they had uh, questions, strong questions, about the Bailey provision options on Nancy's retirement accounts. They had questions about emergency funds, and they had questions about his Social Security. And so we approached the financial plan that we produced for them, the document, by initially going into their financial planning goals. So speaking of goals, tonight we'd like to review this real-life case so that if you have these types of questions on your mind, that you're giving us a call at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. So before we dig into the plan, let's find out what were their goals. All right, Linda, how about their major financial goals? Well, firstly, they wanted to prepare in case one of them passed away so that the other spouse would have enough to continue living in the same manner that they're living right now. The second major financial goal that uh, George and Nancy had was to continue living comfortably and eventually not to be a burden to any of their family members. Their major financial problems were how to have preservation of current assets, along with active management, so that they did not lose any more money like they had recently lost with their most previous so-called financial planner. Second problem, how to have their assets support them for the rest of their lives. 
So once we identified the major goals and the major problems, we then dug deeper to find out their cash flow goals, their tax goals, their insurance goals, their investment goals, etc. What were the cash flow goals that they identified? Well, as far as cash flow, the first issue was they wanted to have more income, incoming cash flow than outgoing expenses. The second issue with their cash flow was that they wanted to continue living within their means and to be able to spend more in retirement. Their income tax goals were to not overpay taxes and to address the Bailey tax benefits on Nancy's retirement plans. Now, I know with regard to their insurance goals, they had two. One was to verify that the long-term care insurance policy that they had and the life insurance needs could, if necessary, be able to uh, support them uh, or to meet their needs, or could they self-insure? That was one of their goals to find out. And then second goal was to verify that the insurance company through whom the long-term care insurance was written was a solid company. That's right. Their investment goals, to have proper diversification and to achieve a total return on their total portfolio between 4 and 7%. I was happy to hear them say that they would be happy with a anywhere between 4 and 7% because when clients say, well, my goal is to get a 20% return or a 22% return, I have to bring them back down to earth to realize to try and get returns like that as a goal, you've got to be willing to lose a lot of money. Right. That kind of volatility is for the, the young in age, not in heart. <laughs> You're now, listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you've got a question about your situation, call us on the open line right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. So with regard to George and Nancy Rogers, what were their retirement goals and what were their estate goals? To continue living at the lifestyle they were already living at and to have the means and flexibility to change their retirement needs based on their change in their physical needs. And lastly, their, their, their other retirement goal was to analyze periodically if their home was still meeting their health care needs. You know, on that, uh, on that note, Deborah, sometimes as our seniors start, you know, getting older, health concerns can come up. Like sometimes, Here's my house. Yeah, one, one spouse might uh, have broken a hip and they might be in a wheelchair. So do we need to put a ramp in to accommodate the needs in future life. And sometimes some of our seniors, I know some of our clients have had strokes along the way. And as they're recovering, maybe we need to put in a ramp or uh, maybe they need to right. move to a one-story so house. Right. So their, their question as to whether or not the house would still be accommodating them is, is, is often a question. The last set of goals that I identified in beginning their financial plan was to find out uh, he wanted to know if he could divine, design a, an estate plan in which his children would inherit his assets after taking care of her, and she wanted her sister and her brother's children to inherit her assets after taking care of him for the rest of his life. 
And that is often the concern with a uh, second marriage. That, a blended yes, family. That's mm-hmm. right. Well, at the sec at the death of the second spouse, you want uh, sometimes all of it to be split either amongst anyone who's living or my stuff goes to my family, your stuff goes to your family. I think it was attractive to me to realize they came to us wanting us, this is the Rogers, wanting for us to solve all of their goals. The they also thing, had time frames. Well, I was going to say we also wanted to make sure that we had that we were on the same page with what time frames they had in mind. That's right. Their short range goals were first and foremost to have the financial plan that we at Lewis Financial Management had completed uh, for them to have it implemented. Number two, they wanted to make decisions regarding Nancy's retirement choices. And lastly, they wanted to purchase a new vehicle and do some needed maintenance on the house. So that's what they wanted to get done the first year after coming to see us. Now, if I'm, if I remember correctly, I think they might have been 2013. Correct. That's right. 2013. Okay. All right. And Linda, what they want to get done in the two to five year period? Well, they were concerned, uh, on George's side that he would be able to stop working. Uh, I think at, he wasn't he doing, doing teaching at ECU? ECU. <laughs> yes. In five years. So he had a five year time frame from the time that he came to see us. On the other hand, his wife, Nancy, she also wanted to stop working full-time, but she wanted to continue working part-time. Now, their long-range goal was to determine if they will be able to continue living in their home or if they're going to need to move to senior living. And, you know, a lot of clients want to know, why don't we just jump right in and get the investing done? But that's not proper as certified financial planners. First, we had to find out their goals. Next, we had to find out what the issues that we see and the problems we see in their world. All right. Well, the things that needed attention were cash flow planning, income tax planning, investment planning. And then we also needed to look at their retirement plans and then absolutely had to update the wills and estate planning. But there were a couple of things that they were okay in. They were okay on the life insurance after we completed the analysis. And they were okay on long-term care insurance after we completed analysis. And they came to us with enough in the emergency fund, but we analyzed that, made a recommendation, and they followed it. All right, so I think we've got a call coming in. Before we go and look at the Rogers assets, which is the first thing we looked at, let's take, uh, let's see if I can read that. Is it is it Amy? Pat- Mr. Patel, tell me, how ca- this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Hey, how, do, how can I help you? Uh, I have one question. I want to invest, you know, $100,000 right now, but stock market is right now too up. What is the best place right now I have to invest my money, you know? Well, tell me a little bit about yourself, Mr. Patel. How old are you? I'm 63. 63. Are you married or single? I'm married. And uh, is your wife, uh, how old is your wife? Uh, she's 55. 55. And do you have any children living at home? Yeah, yeah. My, my son lives with me, yes, sir. All right, so you're supporting three people. Are you working or are you retired? No, I'm working. What's your income, Mr. I'm working, my wife's working, and they are working too, yeah. Good, so tell me a little bit about the income first. Uh Uh-huh, my my income is, my wife and my income is uh, around $60,000. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. And we have money, you know, we have $100,000, but we want to invest somewhere right now. All right. So tell me a little, yeah, tell me a little bit about what investments you've already have. What do you have in retirement accounts right now? I have a 401k. I have, a, you know, my, uh, I have $80,000, in 401k. Uh-huh. And how about, yeah. do, you have, do you have any IRAs? Oh, I have no IRA, no. Okay. All right. So 80000 in your 401k. And do you have any investments that are not in retirement accounts? No, 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 not in. I have a, I have a house over here in Morrisville. But that's not an investment. Yeah, it's not an investment. We live in, you know, but we have no mortgage on, you know, right now. Okay, so you're telling me that the only thing you have right now, the only thing you've accumulated is $80,000 in retirement accounts and $100,000 in cash, and that's everything you have. But- yes. But does your wife also have a 401k? Uh, she got some money, but right now, you know, she got not enough, you know, $15,000, you know. Oh, okay. Very good. Well, I think what I would do, first of all, uh, when I just look at your picture like this, at age 63, this does not look very good. It looks like it's a little scary to me. And I think what you really need, before just saying, where do I invest 100000 you need a financial planning consultation. Yes, yes, yes. I think that would be my first advice. If Do you have a pen, Mr. Patel? Uh-huh, okay, I have a pen, yes, sir. Write this number down, 919 uh-huh. 872 uh-huh, 7,000. 7, yes, and sir, I got every day. You know, I like to listen to your story. Good. Well, I, what I want you to do is I want you to call that number, and we will schedule an appointment to meet with you face-to-face and go over not only where to invest the hundred thousand, but how to get you on the right path? Uh, are you are you earning more than you're spending? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because I have no mortgage right now. My son and they are live with me, right? And they have to pay something, you know, every month. And that's why you know, yes, I have enough money. You know, I can save at least two, three thousand dollars every month. Yeah, that's wonderful because that's going to be the key to your to your financial security. Your financial safety is going to depend not so much the hundred thousand. Yes, that's an important first step, but the two to three thousand a month. That's going to be even a bigger piece to get you to where you want to be. We call that, and if you've listened to me before, you know we call that a pay yourself first plan. Yes, and okay. have I don't know if you've heard of the concept of dollar cost averaging. Yeah, 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 yeah. All living right. Of, uh, yes, and that's very important because dollar cost yeah, averaging. Yeah, yeah. Cost, like, living of cost go up every year. Yeah. Right now, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you should. I'll give you a couple of of, of of short answers, and then when I meet with you face to face, I can give you specific answers about your specific situation. But number one, you should not invest in any stocks at all. No, no, no. Right now, we have no choice to invest. No, no, no. I mean with the 100000 Yeah, that's right. I, mean, okay. I don't want to lose my money. That's right. Number two, you should not invest in any annuities. Oh, okay. An annuity, yeah, is, an annuity is a contract where you give the insurance company your $100,000, and they keep it, and then they give you a check for the rest of your life, and when you die, they keep what's left over. That's right. Yeah, that's Th- right. Th- that's not so good. No. Not no good. Yeah, that's right. No. And then number three, you should have no bonds. Okay, that's fine. All right. Thank so, you. So what you want to do when we get to, oh, and you want to have no ETFs. An ETF looks like a mutual fund, but it trades like a stock. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So those are the no-nos. And when we get together, I will go ahead and 
design for you a little investment portfolio, how to start your 100000 and how to add the two to 3000 a month afterwards. I will give you specific recommendations face-to-face once I, once I can talk a little more about your personal world. Oh, okay. I'm going to call back to you on your regular day, on business day. And you can call tonight because your phone number will be waiting for us tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. And my daughter, Deborah, she will call you to make an appointment. Yes, sir, Mattel, oh. Mr. Patel, that's exactly what I'll do. You leave the number on the machine at 919-872-7000. We'll talk in the morning. We'll set up an appointment. And uh, we will uh, meet together to answer these questions specifically for you and your wife. Okay, thank you very much, ma'am. Oh, you're, you're welcome. welcome. Thank you for being a listener to our show. And keep you know, listening. I love you. <laughs> Good. Well, I thank hope you. you. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show tonight. We're going to continue talking about the Rogers case. They're they're real clients, just like you. But we changed their names. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mr. Patel. You have a wonderful week. You're All listening right, so we- to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. And if you've got a question, like our last caller, Mr. Patel, call us on the open line at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. All right. So tonight we were doing something unusual for those who have just tuned in. We were actually going to a real client and we were showing what we do inside our office like sort of giving you a chance to be like a fly on the wall to see how the financial planning process works. These clients, the Rogers, came to see us. We've covered who they were, when they came. We've covered their goals. We've covered the problems. And now we're at the point in writing their financial plan. The first thing we did after those previous two sections, we went to their assets. That's right. We want to begin with their financial statement. We want everything that is listed on what well, on the side of called assets of what you own. And we want to look at everything you owe. And then we want to get your net worth. And the way we do that is in this is in our first section. And their total assets were one point nine million. They only had one hundred and twenty two thousand of debt. And therefore, their net worth was one million eight hundred thousand. So once we figured out their net worth, we then said that we could categorize and analyze the net worth in different ways, specifically what we call assets at work, and second, what we call repositionable assets. So how about their assets at work, Deborah? Their assets at work are the assets that were working for them, building their financial security. And their assets at work were one million two hundred and ninety three thousand or 70% of their total net worth. And Linda, what were the non-investment assets, the ones that were not working for them? How much was that? Well, the non-investment assets are assumed to be held for purposes other than investment. So even if they may earn a modest return, their non-investment assets are not considered for planning purposes. And when they first came to us, they had $539,000 or about 29%. So it's a good percentage of working to non-working assets. The non-working assets, of course, included their residence, the family farmland, personal property, things like that. But once we got down to the ass- got past the assets at work, then we went to what about the repositionable assets? 
That's right. Repositionable assets are key to know. They are the assets that you own that are able to easily convert to cash and reposition according to your goals. And their repositionable assets were $1,293,000. And what was that composed of, Debs? Oh, sure. So their, their repositionable assets were three large things. The first was the cash that they had, and that was about 380000 All right. And then they had some mutual funds and an annuity, all non-qualified, non-retirement, mm-hmm. and that was about 100000 Then they had retirement accounts, several of them each. And that was a total of about 800,000. So when you added those three together, that's how we got the million to 93,000. That's right. Now, although they considered keeping their assets separately because they were later being uh, inherited by the other one, it was my recommendation that we treat them as one large pool because they would, the large pool would be supporting the two of them as they go through their retirement years. After looking at their repositionable assets, we then went to the next section in the financial plan document, which is very crucial. It's what we call cash flow. And cash flow planning was key in their scenario because they both were working, but he had retired from his main career job over at IBM, and she was looking at retiring within the next two years from her main job at the county. But he was going to continue receiving an income teaching over at ECU, and we needed to know, well, if their current income was going to cover their current expenses, and if not, was there, if there was more room, what would they be able to do with it? Yeah, one of the big things about their cash flow questions that they came to us with had to do with this thing called the Bailey exclusion. Oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, she had to make the choice of whether to go with the Bailey exclusion or not. The Bailey exclusion. Yeah, do you want to tell everybody what that is in case yeah. they don't work for the county or the state? They may not be familiar with that term. Right. Uh, the Under the Bailey exclusion provisions, North Carolina allows you to make the Bailey election on your North Carolina tax return and exclude all income from your 401k and 457 plans. But to leave this exclusion, you have to leave the plans with North Carolina and not roll them over into your IRA account. So right away, they asked us to analyze from a cash flow perspective which of the two world choices they could make would give them the highest cash flow. And what I did, I did two scenarios, one with the Bailey exclusion and a 3% withdrawal from the 401k and the 457 plan. And the second scenario was without the Bailey exclusion and with the 4% withdrawal, because with the Bailey exclusion scenario, they would only be able to keep the money in the choices given to them. And my concerns were that... A 3% would be about the maximum safe withdrawal they could make under those investments that they had. Without the Bailey exclusion, the and it was about $495,000 there. So without the, the Bailey exclusion, they could withdraw, I felt comfortably, 4% because they could choose managers of different investment companies and mutual funds that we could reasonably predict a 4% withdrawal would still allow the IRA. Because ultimately, that was her question. Can that, I withdraw from my retirement plan when I retire to cover the, uh, to replace the income that I'm currently earning? Are you at a stage in your life where you're planning for pre-retirement? And do you have issues about your retirement plan? Call us on Money Matters with the Lewises right now. 
The number to call is 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. And if you're ready to set up an appointment, or maybe you need a second opinion about your portfolio and your plans, call us at Lewis Financial Management. Let's schedule an appointment face-to-face. We are a fee-based financial planning firm in North Raleigh. Our number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. So with regard to the first recommendation in the cash flow, I had analyzed the Bailey provision from a cash flow perspective and found that by rolling the money to an IRA and foregoing the Bailey exclusion, they could make $4,942, almost $5,000 per year more. So my recommendation was roll over the 401k and the 457 into your IRA portfolio. How did they take that recommendation, Deborah? Okay. In regard to uh, that recommendation, they agreed. And actually, I should say she agreed. She agreed to this recommendation. She, she could see the wisdom in rolling it over into a 401, into a, from the 401k and 457 into her IRA to increase the potential of income from her IRA. Now, the next thing in the, with regard to their cash flow was the amount of income coming in and the amount of expenses going out right now. Right. So recommendation number one, as far as in the cash flow section, was in regard to how much money would be surplus income that could be set aside as a pay yourself first. Well, our recommendation was that they establish a monthly bank draft into a pay yourself first mutual fund in the amount of $4,000. And we did this back in 2013 and then increase it thereafter as much as possible after they retired. Of course, when we gave the recommendation, we always asked, do you agree or disagree? And they agreed, sort of. They agreed not to 4000 a month, but they agreed they'd like to start at 3300 a month. The third cash flow advice or recommendation that we went to was what, Deborah? That was the emergency fund. We had recommended that their emergency fund actually be increased. They had 25000 and we recommended they maintain a $50,000 emergency fund in a money market account at a mutual fund family. They agreed and implemented that. The next cash flow question they wanted us <clears throat> to address was with regard to her Social Security income and his Social Security income. Now, with regard to George's Social Security income, my recommendation was that he begin waiting just until the next year because that would put him up to age 70. That's right. He was 69. uh, And that was going to add $33,000 to the household income and increase the amount of surplus cash that could go to the Pay Yourself First plan. With regard to her Social Security income, my recommendation there was to just as soon as you turn 62, start taking Social Security. That's going to add about 19000 to the household income, giving them a total cash flow surplus of 45000 which would give them, that's how I got the 4000 a month. Right. So how did they feel about the two Social Security recommendations? They Deborah? agreed, and George began taking Social Security the following year in 2014, and Nancy began taking Social Security when she was first able to at age 62. 
do you have questions about your cash flow planning? Call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. So the next section in the financial plan document after cash flow and cash flow recommendations was income taxes and income tax recommendations. Now, you know what's funny is that we were just talking about uh, something called the Bailey exclusion in regard to employees of the county or the state. They have to weigh the options of should I keep my retirement plan with the state and not pay state taxes or should I forego it and roll it over? But that was looked at from the cash flow perspective. In our plan, we now had to look at that same question, that same feature from the tax perspective. Yeah, because you remember in their goals, they had said they had two goals with regard to taxes. One was to not overpay taxes, and the other was to address the Bailey tax benefits and the Bailey provision. So the first thing we did was we pointed out in the financial plan document that there are both tax shelter strategies and tax shelter investments. That's right. Amongst the tax shelter strategies. Those would be uh, con- contributing to a retirement plan. Exactly. That's a big strategy. That is. Another uh, tax shelter strategy is the home mortgage deduction. Right. The third biggest and most popular would be charitable contributions. Right. And something else that might be available to you is carry forward of tax. Yes. Yeah, so. When we went, yeah, we addressed each of these in the financial plan document. With regard to the retirement plan, the annual contribution being a reduction to taxable income, it was our recommendation that they continue contributing to the three plans until they retire. Their interest with regard to the mortgage was to get it paid off, but my advice was no. You're presently, I told them, paying. Uh, a mortgage payment that is giving you a tax deduction. So I recommended that you not pay off the home mortgage because the deduction reduces the taxable income and therefore the taxes. Now, with regard to the Bailey election, we went ahead and did the whole analysis again from what is the effect on the taxes. And we found out that there was only a net tax savings of about $820. And so we decided that we would not let the tax tail wag the investment dog because the cash flow flow analysis showed much higher cash flow. And interestingly enough, we're talking about Nancy's retirement plan. And when we get over to a further section in their financial plan, we see that there's still more benefits. But we look closely at each part of someone's world to see how it's integrated, lattice together, and meeting someone's goals. So how did they take the recommendation about contributing to the three North Carolina retirement plans? Well, they decided that they would just go ahead and roll over the 401k and their 457 into the IRA. That's right, in regard to cash flow. And then when it came to taxes, our recommendation was that Na- that Nancy should continue contributing to her three North Carolina retirement plans until retirement. This gave her that tax shelter strategy of contributing to her retirement plan. And, and the, then, Linda, number two, how what, about the mortgage? Well, they agreed that they would continue paying the home mortgage so that they could receive the deduction. 
Now, once we went over, and of course, with regard to the strategies that we've just covered, we got an agree, 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 agree. But then we came to the area of what about tax shelter investments? Interesting. Yeah. In the world of tax shelter investments, we pointed out to them that there is only one true tax shelter investment still remaining, and that's drilling for oil and gas. This type of investment gives an intangible drilling cost deduction, which works in such a way that, let's say, if a client invested $100,000, they might get a $90,000 deduction on their tax return, which might save them about $35,000. Of course, there is still the risk that if they don't hit anything, they get dry wells, they've lost their money. After going through the whole strategy of how is this uh, investment working, my advice to them was that because of their age, do not invest in an oil and gas tax shelter investment. And what was their answer to that advice? They agreed. They, they agreed. felt it was uh, not the right time in their life either. That's right. They were too old. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us at Lewis Financial Management in North Raleigh. Set up your appointment. We will schedule you in September for financial planning advice regarding your personal situation. That number to call is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. And visit our website at Doug and Linda. We had one more section in their financial plan document before we got to the investment section, and this was the insurance section. And here, as I think different from what most people understand when they go to see an insurance agent, we analyze the living expenses. That's right. We want that to be the basis of our analysis, because if George died, what would be Nancy's expenses? That's the big question. That's right. So we have to look at... Well, what would the expenses be if there was only one surviving spouse? Yeah, in the cash flow section, we had analyzed their expenses and found out that they are spending about 78000 a year. When we ran an analysis to see what might Nancy's expenses be as a widow, we came up with 46000 a year. So that was our starting number. And then we ran an analysis to see what would happen if... George, God forbid, died. Was there enough cash flow coming from investments and from uh, anything else like pension or Social Security to cover her needs? And indeed, we found out that she was not at all lacking. She wasn't lacking anything. That's right. There was no need for her for him to apply for any life insurance to protect her. And the same for her. She did not need to apply for any to protect George. Now, that answered the life insurance question. But, Doug, if we remember, we go back to their list of their goals in regard to insurance. They wanted to know about long-term care insurance. Should George keep his current long-term care insurance policy? And then the other question was, should Nancy keep her long-term care employer's policy? Yeah, he was paying about $1,380 a month. Uh, no, it was a year. It, it was a year uh, for his policy. So I analyzed it and I saw that there was a nursing home daily benefit of $175 a day that was increasing by 5%. I saw that there was an alternative facility daily benefit of $105 a day increasing by 5%. I saw that there was a home and community care daily benefit. So all of this told me 
the benefit is good. The elimination period, however, was bad. The policy had a 100-day elimination period, and I thought that was not good. The coverage, uh, there, uh, there was a lifetime coverage, and that was good. There was an alternative facility benefit. That was very good. However, the home and community care benefit lasted only a maximum of 730 days. I looked at several other aspects of the long-term care policy for him, and my overall conclusion was keep your current long-term care insurance policy, and he agreed. Absolutely. And did you want to do hers also? Because hers was through the employer, and although we went through each of these, it ended up being that our recommendation was that they both keep, and they both agreed. Yeah. And so I, we also found out we, we wanted her to go ahead and find out if it was portable. We later found out it was portable and at a reasonable cost. I see. Yes, sir. Right. Doug and Deborah, you know, yeah. when people um, talk about financial planning. Right. I think most people think I need to come in and talk to you about what I have and where can I invest it. Right. Just, and they, they <laughs> boil it down to money management. That's exactly. right. Exactly. But I'm really enjoying our little um, display display and our discussion. Mm -hmm. And really, it's kind of like rolling out the red carpet, so to speak, and just showing what are some of the main issues that come up. That's right. When a person decides that they're going to do serious and sound financial planning that's comprehensive and not not just a sales pitch. Right. Absolutely. So we began looking at their assets early in the financial plan document, finding out they had about 1.2 repositionable assets. So at last in the financial plan document, after going through the cash flow section Mm -hmm. and the tax section and the insurance section, we come to the investment section. And here, before coming out and quickly making recommendations, we looked a little about who are they? We went over their investment knowledge and experience. We went over their investment objectives, and we found out that his objectives were different from her objectives with regard to investments. And that's very common when we meet with clients. That's why almost always we want both both of a couple to be with us. Do you have questions about your investment planning? Call the Lewises right now at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. After going over their investment objectives and seeing how his differed from hers, we went to investment temperaments, and we found out that their investment temperaments also differed. And then we went to risk tolerances, and we found out that uh, their risk tolerances also differed from each other. You know what's funny, Doug, is is that in in some of the last, um, I'd say over the last uh, eight to nine months, the plans that we've written, I have found that many times... uh, his or her risk tolerance will be in direct response to how the other has been helping them invest in their retirement plan. I was quite surprised to find that <laughs> she had a higher risk tolerance than he did. Right, right. So yeah. you can't make assumptions. That's right. <laughs> you got to get to know uh, each person's uh, uh, temperament and risk tolerance. The last thing we did before making the recommendations in the investment portfolio itself we went to the products that are out there. We covered about 30 investment products such as balanced mutual funds, blue chip stock growth mutual funds, high-grade bond funds, all kinds of different investments to see what knowledge they had, where they were interested or not interested, and 
And, and eventually, we got a good picture of who they were. We made our recommendations, and we began with the first portfolio. That's right. And the first portfolio would be the personal, the non-qualified. So our fir- very first step is to set aside an amount for the emergency fund. In their case, it was 50000 But then we needed to look at what they already currently owned. Nancy had a non-qualified annuity, and her... Uh, her annuity had to be evaluated to see, well, what about uh, surrendering it? It was a non-qualified annuity, so its original amount that was invested, um, we had to consider its value now, the penalties, and the taxation. She had invested about 41000 and it was now worth 33000 This meant that there was going to be no appreciation and no amount of gain which meant there'd be no taxes. And since she was over 59 and a half, there'd be no penalty to surrender and reposition. So we recommended that it be repositioned and made available to be invested in their new personal portfolio. Then, then yeah, go ahead, Doug. Yeah, I was going to say, in an, after deciding what to do with the annuity, then we went over to her Vanguard Star Fund, which she had asked us to analyze. <laughs> she did. <laughs> yeah, she did. And it was a very interesting analysis because it was basically a fund of funds, right? meaning that the mutual fund is mostly invested in two bond mutual funds, eight stock mutual funds, etc. It had a good 10-year return, over 7%, I believe it was. Uh, but when I went to Morningstar to analyze it further, I found out the fees were quite high because the fees were wrapping other fund fees. Right. And, and Morningstar's analysis was quite insightful. Yeah, Morningstar said that this is designed for investors seeking to build a one-single-shot investment, which, of course, was not their case at all. They wanted diversification. So we rec- and this fund was was really passive. It was like let's buy everything and see something right. you know adds up and makes the the investor happy. So what do we recommend, Doug? You recommended we liquidate that and reposition it as part of the personal portfolio. And then there were four Roth accounts. There were two at the bank, and when we looked at them, we could see that not only um, should they be repositioned. Uh, because they were just not doing anything and there was no penalty to move them, but there been no gain. And then the other two, there was a little bit of gain. We figured in the taxes and what the moving of that money would be. It still was worth it to move it to the personal portfolio. So in the end, the personal portfolio was going to be made up of about 331000 um, no, no, it was more than that. It was over cash. half a million. True, true. The, they had 331000 in cash, oh. and then the remaining, the mutual funds and the annuity would give us to be able to add another um, 207000 So we're, we have a portfolio of 507000 That's right. And and this is really good because although this isn't, um, this is probably similar to where you are if you're listening tonight. How should I invest? What should I think about in regard to my own personal investments? And it's not uncommon for folks to be like our clients who have several different IRA accounts or several 401k accounts. And really, as you get closer to retirement, you want to consolidate and simplify. Yeah, we always like to look at, we we say that that all of your portfolios are like different pockets to one pair of pants, but it's still your pair of pants. So this was only a half a million of about the million one, a million two is what it was. That's right. So, so the Linda, personal portfolio, yeah, what did we finally recommend for them, Linda? Yeah. Well, we finally recommended uh, $60,000 pie slices, so to speak. One in a growth and income fund, 
60000 in an equity income fund, 60000 in a blue chip growth fund, 60000 in an international stock fund, 60000 in a balance fund, and 60000 in a real estate mutual fund. Then there were two illiquid investments. There was uh, a REIT, for, and we recommended 70000 in that, and 70000 in a BDC. Right, and I believe at the time that REIT had a current yield of 7%, the BDC was paying 7%, so we added up the income that could come from the two investments and a 4% systematic withdrawal from the mutual funds, and this portfolio, we concluded, would give them about 26000 a year. Now, that takes care of the non-qualified. Right. Next, we needed to look at George's IRA. This was going to be a total of 240000 but it was going to be made up of two different uh, IRA accounts. One was on an annuity, and we recommended he surrender the annuity and have the proceeds rolled over into his IRA, of course, after our analysis. The other part was another IRA that was a straggler. The real key here, we recommended an independent custodian for this IRA. And in this portfolio, which was pocket number two, you might say, $240,000, we had 60000 in a growth and income fund, a different one, 60000 in an international growth and income fund, 60000 in a growth fund, and 60000 in a high-yield bond fund. All d- designed to be able to produce $11,000 of income. Right. Now, lastly, we had her, Nancy's IRA. Of course, it was going to be what would come later when she did retire and was able to roll over the 400 and fi- uh, 457 plan in the 401k. So we established it with one little IRA that she had, about 5000 And then when it eventually came over, it was much more. All right. And by the way, those three portfolios, did they agree to those three portfolios? Oh, they did. And they came back uh, at our implementation schedule and implemented all those recommendations. And where are they now? Where are they now in size and in value? Well, in the personal portfolio, uh, it began at about 500000 And they are current, They have a personal portfolio now of currently $1,225,000. Wonderful. And the IRA portfolio of uh, his... Uh, his, uh, the 200,000 is now 260,000. And hers? Uh, hers, uh, well, 500,000 became 650,000. Wonderful. All successes, all slow, methodical planning with an emphasis on risk reduction. And this, of course, included the pay yourself first. Of- it did. 3300 a month, I think it was. That's right. Once we put it all together, we then went to the next section of the financial plan document, which was the financial independence section. And here we began by analyzing what would the fantasy lifestyle, the, what would they like to spend? The desired, the desired expenses. expenses. And they had wanted to be able to expend $93,000 a year. Currently, well, they were at seventy eight. Right. Once we had the 93 as a target, then we went to what is the income they might expect? Well, we knew that they had pensions of 80000 a year expected to come in, and then there would be Social Security for both of them at 52000 The personal portfolio, if it grew at what we had projected at 7%, and we said if, it would then become 572000 giving 22000 of income. The two other portfolios would give a 10000 and a 20000 So we concluded 
Altogether, there'd be about 188000 for them to be able to cover the 93000 of expected expenses. Which exceeded even their expectations. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and that's usually the question that all, all, everyone has. Is what I have going to be enough to create enough income to support me and my wife or husband for the rest of our lives? Now, was that the last section of their financial plan document? No, because like I always like to say, literally and figuratively, the last thing on your mind is estate planning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you must deal with this. So here we went into the thoroughness of a true estate plan. And here uh, we covered things like revocable living trust versus wills. Did we recommend revocable living trusts? We did. Each of them needed to have a revocable living trusts. They also, those revocable living trusts, needed to include a disability panel, naming, instead of leaving it up to a doctor, someone to be able to know when they were um, unable to make financial decisions. And uh, Nancy's will needed to be corrected, and her wills may need memorandums right and and memorandums are often used for naming of where articles that are very special to you would go before they would be used to fund the spouses right and uh we also recommended that that they own none of their assets jointly that's right we wanted to update their beneficiary debt designations on all accounts uh, outside of the revocable living trust because iras do not follow wills or revocable living trust instructions We also said that they should discuss at the estate planning meeting with an attorney the use of a Q-tip trust. And then they asked us, could they have the estate meeting with an estate attorney at our office? Would we be willing to do that? And we said, absolutely. So we scheduled a date to have the estate meeting with all of our recommendations. And that was the financial plan document that we created for them. That's right, because what we're hoping that we were able to show you tonight is a little glimpse into how comprehensive our financial planning advice is. We're going to begin with net worth, assets at work. We're going to move into analyzing your cash flow planning. Are you doing enough? Are you Have you set aside enough? Are you looking at your contributions to retirement plans in the same way that everything that's extra can be contributed to a personal portfolio? And then we're going to analyze tax planning and insurance planning. Do you have enough? Do you need more? Because it's much more than money management. It's not just investment planning. It's not knowing just where to invest. It's understanding when you invest, you're placing your money into the hands of a manager. And then lastly, we're going to look at retirement planning or retirement independence, uh, which is going to be, are you financially independent and able to retire? When will that date be? Because we're going to end up with estate planning as the ultimate question of where do you want to leave your estate? And I think the big question a lot of people have is, well, after a financial plan document is written, is that the end of the services that Lewis Financial Planning? Oh, no, sir. That's just the beginning. What happens next and what's been happening with the Rogers ever since then? Well, they have been receiving a current status report on a monthly basis. Monthly? Yes, sir. So we send monthly reports of each of these areas of their financial life. That's right, because we're not just sending you a a statement on how your investments have done. We want you to see yourself from all these different perspectives on a monthly basis. We do these monthly status reports. They go out every month to clients, uh, and I think that clients really appreciate that. There's one other thing we do, Linda. Comprehensive financial planning. 
includes notes of all of our meetings. Yes. What do we call those notes? We call those scenario notes because we're going to give you an account of what we've been doing for you to address your financial planning. So we want to thank you tonight for joining us for Money Matters with the Lewis family. Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis join us each Saturday and Sunday night from 6 to 7 here on 680 WPTF. want to remind you to visit our website, DougAndLinda.com. Call us this week at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000 to schedule a face-to-face meeting to discuss your situation. And remember, your money matters because your financial future is at stake. You've been listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family, Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com and listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF.